You're listening to SpartanUpPodcast.com, where we study success and everything required to create it. We interview people from all over the world that are successful, no matter how they define it. We are here, Spartan Up the Podcast. Oh, are you doing it? That's all good. Keep going. <laughs> Go, done, run, right. run, run. Um, we've got Johnny, Dr. Johnny. We've got um, Colonel Nye. Colonel Nye. We've got... Um, <laughs> Sephra, the, 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 Let's um, start over. <laughs> we will start over. That's hilarious. Go, go, go. Jenny. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> hey, we're here in Pittsfield, Vermont, in uh, the barn. It's uh, nice and toasty in here, actually. It was freezing cold early. I should get my jacket off soon. But I'm standing beside Colonel Nye. Uh, great to have you here. We've got Joe DeSena. Needs no introduction here at Spartan. And uh, Sephra, who is our rewilding expert. We were working earlier on what the best term for you is, and I really like that one. It works. I like that. I'll, yeah. I'll and uh, they call me Dr. Johnny. Uh, I'm a doctor in quotations. It's really just that I, uh, I have a, an ability to help people sort out uh, situations and problems. And uh, Joe's termed me the doctor, which I've, I've always appreciated. Dr. Johnny. Philosopher of but, life, uh, yeah. but we're now going to go and meet somebody who uh, had to earn his, uh, his uh, what, what title. Do we, what do we call the uh, reason we're here? The reason that we're here? Yeah, this, uh, Spartan, Spartan Up Podcast. Up podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I did start with SpartanUp.com. But, yeah, no, really, we're here to uh, introduce uh, our listeners and watchers to uh, incredible people and uh, who will help them stretch themselves, learn how to grow, and uh, and really develop some grit, some some gut. and uh, Perseverance. So, yeah. so I can't think of anyone better than this one. This is probably yeah. as, as uh, good as it gets. M4. We're going to see and learn about this guy they called M4. I didn't know what that was. I thought it was a weapon. Turns out Something. it is a weapon. It is a weapon. Colonel Nye introduced me to this gentleman. Um, tell us about him. Yeah, well, M4 is also the it, McChrystal M, and then he's a four-star general, so they shortened mm. it to M4. But you're right, it, it is also a weapon. Yeah, uh, General McChrystal, or, or Stan McChrystal, um, feels strange even saying that, mm-hmm. uh, is, is a legend within, within the military, within the special ops community. He is really one of those guys who is credited, him, him and then his uh, successor, uh, um, Admiral McRaven, with taking the Joint Special Operations Command and evolving it and making it a, a network of networks or a network to defeat networks. So as uh, conventional armies, we were, we were built to fight conventional wars on a big open plains, and then special ops were built to go in and do quick hitting missions and get out. Uh, after 9-11, obviously, that kind of changed, and we had a an adaptive adversary who was more networked in the way it, it did its business. So it took a guy to understand that and then change how we were designed and then um, our mission and focus and put that all together and then get everybody to buy into it, not only his own forces, but to get uh, the military and Congress and everybody to give the money, the assets, the resources, and then get everybody to, to fight that way and, re- and to reorganize. And, and he did it all. He's an amazing guy. I got to admit when my phone rang and uh and I answered, and he said, "Hey, it's M4." I was, I was, I was a little scared. I didn't know if there was like a drone over my head or what was going on. But um, awesome that we got to meet him, and uh, I think the viewers are going to love hearing his perspective on how to become successful, how to get ahead, and how to just get it done. Because there's a guy, as you said, that did. Well, yeah, I mean, when he starts talking, you start listening. We are here at Spartan Up the Podcast with Stan McChrystal, formerly General McChrystal from uh, JSOC. JSOC and ISAF. And ISAF. And um, if anybody knows success and grit and perseverance and motivation, it would be you. At the core of this, four million Spartans want to know, how did they get motivated? How did they become successful in life? And I know that's a, a broad question, but, but if you could dive in, you know, is it something that's born? Is it something that's made, going to be forged? What, what do you think? 
I don't think it's born. I think everybody's born with different uh, capabilities and potential, but I think most of it comes from experience. It's taught, either self-taught or through experiences. In my military career, what I found was there would be very elite units and then there would be units that had much lower standards. And the first guess was that the people in the elite units were elite people. They were stronger, faster, smarter, and that the others were just lesser talented. And that was not true at all. In fact, what I found was you could take someone from a lesser unit, put them in an elite unit, and their standards would rise dramatically. Similarly, you could take someone from an elite unit and if they hadn't served there too long and it hadn't completely sunk in, they could go to a lesser unit. In many cases, they performed at a lower standard. So I think it's about expectations. You set expectations in an organization where everybody dresses a certain way, stands up straight, lives by a certain set of values and behaviors, and people tend to meet those. The higher the expectations, typically the better the organization. People begin to set expectations for themselves when it becomes truly irreversible, that individual starts to think of themselves in a way that says, I don't do these things that I shouldn't do, and I do do these things that I should do, and that starts to form the basis for real self-discipline. You start to set a set of standards for yourself, and the person you don't want to let down is the person in the mirror. And if so you're honest with yourself. That's right, yeah. exactly. And, and, uh, and you, so you're saying you think that comes from environment, the people you're around. I absolutely think it does. I think you create that environment and self-support each other. So, so it's not only the parents that are pushing down, it's, it's, every, it's the peers that set, that set the level of playing. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, you went to school and suddenly you saw your parents less than you saw your peers. And suddenly you have teachers and other things, but the peers are the people that you really start to benchmark to. And if the peers have a very low level or a corrupted sense of what they are, you tend to drift that way. I mean, look in neighborhoods where there's trouble. It just had, tends to happen. <clears throat> it's funny. So the parents were right. The, my parents were right. Everybody, right, you can't hang out with those friends. <laughs> you're right. You got to pick your right friends. I mean, you absolutely do start to pick up the people around you. I mean, it's uh, it's seen time and time again. So, um, what would you suggest for the person that maybe isn't in the right environment? Right? Maybe they're growing up in a in a tougher neighborhood with not. Or maybe a tough neighborhood is a good neighborhood to grow up in. Yeah. Right? How, how does a person uh, look in the mirror and set their own? I recently interviewed somebody and they said, um, he, he was a, a nine-time Tour de France participant. And he said to me, you want to start with your legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? And then work backwards from there. And I thought that was an interesting statement. But, but a 12-year-old doesn't understand that. Well, they tend to, when you tend to judge people by IQ, intelligence, that's one thing. And then we talk about EQ, emotional quotient. And we say that the ability to look long-term is the best judge of a emotional quotient. Can, can you defer what you'd like to do now for a higher payoff later? And unfortunately, when we have tough neighborhoods and we have just, a, just enough people there that either have high EQ or they have some set of circumstances where they set their standards high and they leave the, the neighborhood and they do very well and we say, well, everybody could do it if they just cared enough, if they were just disciplined enough. And I think that's unfair to everybody else because judging by some anecdotal experiences is, is not the whole. I think you've got to change that environment so that everyone has the opportunity to see. If you live in an environment where you think you can't really have a, a chance of becoming something more, if you think the opportunities are more talk than reality because you see everyone around you, maybe see your parents and whatnot, can't do it, then it's very hard. So how do we get to young people particularly 
and show them there is something that's attainable by you. One of the great things about the Second World War, we came out of the Depression, times were tough, 16 million Americans served and a tremendous number went somewhere else and had a completely different experience. Suddenly they saw I could be more than I thought I was. And so we had this incredible boom after the Second World War, the greatest generation, because their expectations had been raised. The GI Bill helped those and other things helped. But it's how do you get people to raise expectations and support that with enough handholds that they can actually do it. It's funny, I, I had a breakfast with an Olympic level wrestler this morning and um, surprising to me, he said, uh, wrestling does better out in Long Island where he is than in New York City and I said, why? And he said, because uh, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's already a few great wrestlers out there. Everybody wants to be, right? Expectations rose. And so I think you're right. I, and, and I think it happens in Africa too with the runners. Exactly. Right? So, I, I don't think it's genetic. I mean, there's some advantages, but in reality, if you see people around you, if your brother, father, or someone you know is very successful in something, you suddenly say, I can do that. And I want to be that person. Exactly. Yeah. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. My producer says we need a lot of reviews on iTunes so that Apple will make it easy for you to find our show. Can you help us out by subscribing and writing a review? We'd really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. So um, you were in charge of uh, some of the most elite men and women in the world. Um, some people say it's one thing to achieve success, another thing to maintain success. How did you, how did you keep them at that level? Well, many people, of course, keep themselves at that level. But if you think organizationally, organizations can get very self-satisfied and they can become very complacent, particularly if they've attained a certain level of success, either profitability or standards or battlefield success, and they start to think that if I stick with that same formula, I'm going to be okay. And people get very, very comfortable. And so I think it's important for people to first understand that what got you there is not going to get you further because the situation's changing. And so the organization has got to decide every day that we are gonna literally have to set a new standard for ourselves. It may be a different standard in some cases, a different way of operating. In other cases, it may just be higher standards. That, that creates something that they call creative tension. And it's a stress because if you work really hard at a high jump and you finally get over the, the number and then someone raises the bar, just comes and raises the bar, you're gonna wait a minute. I spent the last three years to make that. Let me celebrate that. And you say, great, celebrate it for five minutes. Now we're going to raise the bar. Um, you got to do that in organizations, but you have to understand that it's a balance because if they get over the bar and then you raise the bar and go, look, you're not making it, you can create almost despair, frustration. Sure. So it's that constant sense of I'm going to make it harder, I'm going to make it better, but it's attainable. If the high bar gets raised eight inches, you know you can't make it, and you just say, the heck with it, I retire as a high Got it, so it's gotta be incremental. And, exactly. and uh, somebody said to me once, um, push, like you just said, but then uh, retreat, reflect, and then look, push a little further, retreat, kind of like going in the gym, I guess. And, exactly, right? and you're always, as you know, as an athlete, you're gonna have bad races, bad workouts, you're yep. gonna get little injuries, and you're suddenly gonna think, oh, wait a minute, I did better last year at this than I do now. And you got to set a standard that's realistic, but not to settle. You know, it's too easy to say. Don't I get comfortable. Settle. That's right. Be, be, be uncomfortable, but not so uncomfortable 
that it's not attainable. That's right, exactly. So you, you came out of the military, and now you run a group called the McChrystal Group. Um, it's, a, it's a couple of years old? It's four. It's four years old, and, and you go and deal with commercial enterprises and help them transform using all the things you learned and, and employed at the military. When I left the military in 2010, a Navy SEAL and I that were working together in Afghanistan. It's always the Navy SEALs. Yeah, it, <laughs> they haunt me. And uh, we, he came and said, we should co-found a company, which we did at my kitchen table. And that was four years ago, and we named it McChrystal Group. And what we do is we brought a group of special operators in, but then we went out and hired a number of bright young people from the university, some PhDs to help us study, some software engineers. And we go to companies, many cases that have found themselves struggling with silos of information, with problems with decision making. At the core of it, it's an inability to adapt to what's a fast changing business environment. So we go in and we're industry agnostic. We work with uh, high-tech companies, software companies, we work with banking, we work with product, consumer product companies, and we help them functionally operate better, make decisions better, interact better, information flow better, and it's all based on the experience we had in Iraq from 2003 to 2008, in which we had to completely transform how we operated. The most elite unit that I've ever seen and I think in the world and we had to change ourselves dramatically because although we were really really good we were wrong for the new environment and so we had to change ourselves to that and that was how long did that process. how long did that transformation take in, in Iraq yeah I commanded for just short of five years and we were still doing it when I left my successor continued that and his successor continued that so it's it's literally on it never stops and that's the part about never being satisfied organizations, even if they're profitable or highly respected or iconic names, are only a short time away from becoming uh, challenged or irrelevant. It's, it's uh, interesting. I, I recently interviewed the CEO of Kodak, and um, Kodak was one of the most iconic brands in the world, and, and they fell into trouble. And um, when I asked some smart people why that happens, they said, you know, cities typically don't fail, but companies do. And they said cities are constantly adapting and changing and growing and maybe a part of it dies. Companies get more and more rigid, right? More and more process oriented and they don't see what's coming around the corner. In fact, Kodak, known for its film, invented the digital camera, but then decided not to follow that technology because they had so much tied up in fit the sale of film and processing. And so if you think about it, that was one bad decision but it was one of many where they couldn't change the culture of the organization to adapt. And they had this dominant market position of over 80%, and suddenly they lost it all because the market changed and they weren't adaptable enough to deal with it. Yeah, and, that, and so that's what you, you go in and you'll teach how to adapt. Exactly, and work with our clients. We, we come in, help instruct, but also stay there and work with them as they do it. It's a tricky thing. Because, you know, I just sat with the board of directors of our company, Spartan, and, and um, it's hard to explain to investors or the board that yes, this is what we do today and this is how we make our money, but we're constantly scanning the environment. We may make a left, we may make a right. Is that, like, that's difficult. Well, it is because people want, particularly investors, they want to buy stock or invest in a business plan. And sometimes the business plan is we're going to do what makes sense. Right. Someone says, we want to see your five-year strategy. Well, my strategy is going to, we're going to adapt to whatever <laughs> we have to do. And they go, no, no, no. We say, well, it's impossible to make a long-range strategy if the conditions around you change. And in today's environment, they are going to change. They change fast. I mean, Facebook, social media, right? And, and competition, what we're finding is um, before we even launch a new plan, our competition has it launched an hour before us. 
and um, so leaks occur pretty quickly. Um, people, because information technology allows people to benchmark. If you have a good plan, they only have to go to one of your events, take that, copy it, do an incremental change or improvement, and boom, they're in the market. They're in the market. Yeah, and so how, how, do, you, how, do, you, um, how do you suggest companies handle competition at this fast pace? Yeah, I think the first thing is adaptability is the new efficiency. We used to be how efficient can we be, now adaptability is the key. And so every time you're operating, you've got to take the tools that you have, your talent, your intellectual understanding, and you've got to make yourself this self-improving learning organization every moment. And it means it can't come just from the head of the CEO. There's no single wise woman or man who can sit there and see all this. Only an organization that has its sensors out and understanding and has decentralized or empowered execution at lower levels is ever going to be able to sense these things, the right directions to go, and then change fast enough. And you've got to have a low enough level of collective ego that those things which were good ideas two years ago and you've identified yourself with and you're famous for it may not be right now, and so you've got to let go of those. I tell people they've got to let go of the side of the pool if they're going to swim. Yeah, how do you... Um how do you teach that? Because that, that's like the hard, like how do you get somebody to drop their idea or their direction? I, we used to do races and if we got off course for 20 minutes, our instinct was not to turn around and then it became 40 minutes and before you know it, it's 18 hours. There's no way we're turning around now and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Well, you see it with investors in stocks. You right. know, they get emotionally tied. You get yeah. it with land navigation. You yeah. get it with anything. Organizations have people who become wedded to things, one, because their job may be dependent upon that. Their, their position may be tied to that because they are gurus of that particular idea. And so if you suddenly stop doing that particular idea, then what's their expertise and what's their relevance? Well, the reality is people got to understand their relevance changes every day. I found in combat that the old idea of the iconic commander who makes all the decisions and then sends them down was inappropriate for modern warfare. And my job really changed from that to being sort of a ringmaster for this communication learning organization where I pushed information, facilitated conversations, tried to build this ecosystem of the right culture, and then organizations made decisions on their own. Now that's, that's a different identity for a leader who wants to grow up in a world where you think you're the omniscient, omnipotent. Sure, you've got to have the right ego for that. That's right. What's your favorite exercise? Yeah. I, <laughs> I grew up running and I became uh, addicted to it. And so for many years, I, I ran exclusively. The problem is that's not sustainable. the best. <laughs> it's not sustainable, one, your body starts right. to break down. And so what I do now is I, I like to do uh, I like to lift weights and do yoga on alternate days. Yep. So I run on one day, and then the next day I go to the gym, lift weights, and uh, and do yoga to, so I can keep moving. <laughs> it's really the purpose of the yoga. It's it's less mental than it is just to keep my keep body. moving. I love yoga. Yoga, um, I think, fixes everything. I don't know if you're finding that. I am finding that, yep. and I you know maybe not everything at my age. Not everything's fixable, but uh, I've lived through a lot of injuries, and so the the fact that I was able to run again this morning, and I'll be yeah. in the gym tomorrow. Oh. Thanks for coming. That was great. Joe, thanks so much. I appreciate it. it.
Uh, that was a great interview, Joe. And um, I, I really like what he said. You know, oftentimes you hear about people who join Spartan races and then kind of their group of friends change and they're getting up at 530 in the morning and they start being with people who are getting up and they running. They up their game. Up the, yeah, they're up in their game. And, um, you know, it, it, I was really interested in what Colonel Nye said about that. So if you're around people that either up your game or it's who, about who you surround yourself with. So, um, what, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. It's all yeah. about the expectations of your pack, if you will. You know, who, the, the peer pressure. Mm -hmm. All right, and those those elite units are full of elite guys, but it's really the unit, right, that that gets the credit. It's much like a football team or anything. Mm -hmm. It's so it's you can take a great performer and put them on a on a less elite organization, and it's the organization that's kind of that kind of determines that person's um, whether they're rising or falling. So, so a less elite organization will actually pull uh, that 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 incredible performer down. Just yeah, it, I, less expectation, right? Well, so I think there's less expectation, and I don't think that's in every case. I, I don't, I don't think that's every case because I, I think that um, I think that the guys that 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 are at the top of their game, no matter who, you put them in any any situation, and they're always gonna they're always gonna the cream rises to the top, if you will. I, I, Sorry, I, you no, so I think I think what he's talking about here is more of um, again the expectations of the unit. And when you join an elite unit, what are all those things that you're expected to do? I mean, I, I'm thinking about my kids, and you, you guys know this, uh, being two wrestling experts here. Um, <laughs> I like to watch. I, I, um, we're, we're trying to get them into wrestling. We're in Pittsville, Vermont. There's not a lot of wrestling going on here. We went to Ohio this weekend where it was like wrestling capital of the world, um, and they got to raise their level. Right, they're scared to death after the first day there. By the third day, they're playing at a whole different level. They come back here, they lessen their level. Right, because they're not being pushed. They're, by not that, being pushed. they're not being pushed by that group of guys demanding Excellent. that they that they drill that hard. Right. That they you know stay later and do more. Yep. You know more more drills, more exercises. Go another two minutes. You've got to have. You got to be in that environment where everybody is running as fast as you. And if you go into an environment where people are kind of just jogging, you're going to end up jogging. I love that he um, he also took that to a really broad scope. He's a very humble guy when you listen to him speak. And, uh, you know, he demands respect because what he says matters, but he doesn't drive it on you. But when he talked about uh, society and he said that, you know, if you got somebody who comes from a tough family or a tough neighborhood, whatever, that there's not a lot expected of them, that if you can create a different situation for them, and, you know, you talked about like a wrestling program, for example. I've coached lots of kids who nobody was demanding anything of them. Their parents weren't demanding anything of them. And yet then they stepped into an environment where we just treated them like the great person they could be. And they stepped right up. Mm -hmm. And so here's a guy who is acknowledging that. I mean, he's seen it certainly in, in the military. But I really love that he took that lesson to the rest of the world, too, and said that we need to be very careful about our peer groups. We need to watch. the, But also to understand that people who come from those peer groups um, and I, I'm really clear on that. I was raised in a very supportive family, and I know people who weren't. And so when they achieve a level of success equal to mine, I give them more credit. And I think that we really need to create opportunities like that. And he was, I thought it was very um, interesting that, that he pointed that out, that, uh, that you can always look to improve the situation or around be you. adaptable, right? I mean, what, what, the thing that he said was adaptability is the new efficiency, right? And what yeah. he said, what well, yeah. some of the practices that they had for the military when they got to Iraq didn't work. And that's why they said they had to adapt. And that's what, you know, that, that's also why they say why cities succeed and companies don't, 
right? Is because they have the ability to change and, and be Com- Companies choke themselves. They get yep. so set in their ways, right? Mm-hmm. A city uh, naturally adapts. Yeah, but he, but he sets, and he talked, about, he talked about this, setting different standards every mm-hmm. The standard stays the same, but setting new objectives every day mm-hmm. and making people constantly kind of reaching so you're never, you never get content, you never get satisfied. You're always having to go to the next rung. Mm-hmm. But that if you set that rung way up here at the first time, if it's, yeah. if it's 10 rungs up, then nobody can get to it and becomes frustration and failure. So you have to incrementally kind of rise it. Mm-hmm. And, and again, based on who you're with, you can rise up pretty quickly if, if, if the masses are pushing you, you know, if yeah. your back is with you. And that's a, that's a theme we hear throughout these podcasts, right? Take small bites, little successes, push yourself a little bit farther, push that wall back. And, you know, mm-hmm. just keeps on getting reiterated that you just have to take little bites and every day you're getting stronger and you're, and you're getting and, and another common theme that came up in this is in a community. You know, if, if you put a community around you, the military is a great community, Spartan Race is a great community, where there are other people who are demanding more of you in a supportive way. Um, like you say, it's incredible how fast you can succeed. Fast. Yeah. Fast, that's a, that's a key word. All right. Um, Everybody should watch this. It's incredible. Well, you've already watched it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should watch all the podcasts. Everybody should watch all the podcasts. Where would they find out about those, Joe? Go to SpartanUpPodcast.com where you can leave comments, you can watch videos, and you can learn what the other members of our team, Sephra, Johnny, Colonel Nye, had to say about that interview you just heard.